The Daily Rios for February 21st, 2013. Throwback Thursday. I haven't done one of these since November. Basically, this is an episode where I'm going to take an old issue of Wizard Magazine, of all things, <laughs> and see what we were talking about during a certain period in comics. Uh, this will be different from Timeline Tuesday, where I focus on the big anniversaries. 10 years ago, 25 years ago, 50 years ago. In the first Throwback Thursday episode that I did in November, I went back five years ago. This time, I'm going to go back 15 years ago to the end of February 1998, and I'm going to take a look at Wizard Magazine issue 80 that came out at the end of February at that time. So, you know how currently we're talking about different things, right? We're talking about Marvel now. There's a lot of Green Lantern news because of all the creator changes going on. Valiant is gearing up for an event. Star Wars is back at Dark Horse in an official, you know, title with uh, under Brian Wood. Image is all the rage. We're gearing up for a Man of Steel movie, new cartoons, etc. Uh, I'm, I'm basically doing the same thing as I look through these wizard magazines, seeing what was being talked about, what's coming up, um, what was all the rage back at this time, right? So the reason uh, I'm, do I'm doing one of these episodes, the reason I did the first episode, I should say, is um, Charlito over at Indie Spinnerack, when he was uh, doing that again, doing that podcast again solo, he did an episode where he flipped through an Amazing Heroes magazine from the 80s. And as I talked about in that first Throwback Thursday episode that I did in November, uh, I thought it was a great episode, and I, ha I already had it in my notes to do kind of the same thing with a Wizard magazine. And of course, he did that episode first with Amazing Heroes, so I held off and then finally did a Throwback Thursday uh, you know, doing the same thing, but with a more mainstream magazine, uh, Wizard Magazine. I have a bunch of Amazing Heroes, actually. I have, uh, what do I have? Uh, amazing Heroes. There was also a magazine called um, Comics Interview back then. And I have, obviously, a bunch of alter egos. Uh, there was also a magazine called Hero Illustrated that was also coming out during that time. And uh, maybe I should also try to take a look at that magazine lineup in one of a, a later Throwback Thursday. Uh, it was kind of like a contemporary to Wizard at the time, uh, obviously a, um, a competition magazine as well. So anyway, uh, just as Charlito did in that episode where he flipped through and talked about the articles and the ads, just as I did on my November Throwback Thursday, uh, I did the same thing. I pulled out my Wizard from issue number 80, now, this has a monthly cover date of April 98, but that it did come out at the end of February. And I put a, uh, picked out a few things that I think are interesting to talk about. Let's start right at the cover. The cover is Thor holding uh, his hammer Mjolnir, and it's by John Romita Jr. and Mark Farmer. Uh, interesting because, you know, nowadays we're reading John Romita Jr. on Captain America, and here he is drawing a fantastic image of Thor for the covered cover of Wizard. Uh, the article that accompanies the cover focus on Dan, focuses on Dan Jurgens 
and John Romita Jr.'s upcoming Thor series, which would start in May of 1998. Now remember, this is off the heels of Heroes Reborn, so there was no Thor title for a number of months. And then he would make his return in Avengers when they started up again uh, under the Heroes Return banner. Um, and that Avengers run was by Kirk Busick and George Perez, and that was only a few issues old at this time. So uh, this is an article on the upcoming book by Dan Jurgens and John Romita Jr. Uh, in it, Thor would get a new human identity, a new human anchor named Jake Olson. He'd get a new enemy that would carry him through the first year story arc, uh, and that character was called Marnot or Marno, M-A-R-N-O-T. Uh, Dan Jurgens was writing Superman at this time still, and would continue to write Superman until the mid to late 1999. Uh, so he's writing writing Thor and Superman. He would actually write 79 issues of Thor, 79 full issues. That's a that's a big chunk of comics. Uh, John Romita Jr. would draw up to issue 25 of Thor. Uh, obviously, he would. I mean, he he skipped a few issues here and there. But he did do the first 25 with Dan Jurgens. Uh, but Dan Jurgens' run was huge. Um, I read about a year's worth of this run, and it was actually really good. That first year was a, was a lot of fun. And with that JRJR artwork, uh, it was really bombastic and very Kirby-esque. Um, not, not, it wasn't like a Kirby homage or anything like that, but it just felt big, at the way Kirby would draw uh, comics. So... Um, you know, pretty interesting article. It really didn't give too many things away or anything that um, I thought, wow, I never knew that, you know, it just kind of was a setup article, but that was the main article for this issue. Uh, then when you open the book, you're hit with a whole slew of ads for the upcoming Awesome Comics uh, relaunch or launch or whatever it was, such as Kaboom by Jeff Loeb and Jeff Matsuda. Uh, Supreme, Alan Moore, and Chris Sprouse. Let's see, Youngblood would have returned. This one by Alan Moore and Steve Scrosi. Uh, Fighting American by Jim Starlin and Stephen Platt. Then we had The Coven uh, by Ian Churchill and Jeff Loeb. Menace by Jada Pinkett and Dan Fraga. And then something called Rejects by Rob Liefeld. Uh, and Blast by Jeff Loeb and Joe Mad, And that's it. So I don't know how many of those actually took off. I mean, I, I, I know Supreme was there for a while, but I can't remember if this was... if it had already started and this was sort of like the rebranding of it. But yeah, uh, you know, awesome. Grabbing a whole bunch of attention here in Wizard Magazine. Uh, then we get to Garib Seamus's opening little blurb... Uh, talking about Marvel at this time. And he says here, uh, right now there's a trustee, a former judge, who has been appointed by the bankruptcy court to sort through all of the legal matters and analyze the reorganization plans for Marvel. Uh, he says three things can happen. First and worst is liquidation of Marvel's assets. The second is that a company will win the right to reorganize such as Toy Biz uh, having a plan to combine Marvel and Toy Biz and running the whole company. Or third, is to just run the company while it's in bankruptcy 
with a trustee overseeing all of the all of the big decisions until the company is healthy enough to work out a repayment plan with the banks. And he says the one thing I have figured out is that ultimately when the lawyers and accountants can't make any more money off of Marvel, then a deal will be reached. So that was apparently going on at Marvel at the time, uh, in early 1998. Eventually, obviously, things would work out for Marvel, and they would come back uh, very strong, very healthy. Uh, in another year or two, they would bring in Joe Quesada, and uh, their regime would take over for uh, you know, a good 10, 10 11 years. Uh, so, interesting words by Garib Seamus uh, about Marvel. All right, who were your top ten writers and artists at this time, according to Wizard? Uh, your top ten writers, starting from number ten, was Warren Ellis, Christina Z on Witchblade, Scott Lobdell on Fantastic Four, interesting, because he's uh, writing uh, for DC right now, Stephen T. Siegel, Garth Ennis for Preacher, Peter David for Hulk and Aquaman, Mark Wade for JLA Year One and Captain America, Joe Kelly, Deadpool X-Men, Grant Morrison was number two for JLA and The Flash, and at number one for Astro City and Avengers, Kurt Busiek. Interesting choice. Uh, your wizard top ten artists at this time. Uh, let's see, at number ten, J. Scott Campbell. Number nine, Lionel Francis Yu. Number eight, Carlos Pacheco. Seven was Andy Kubert. Six was Adam Kubert. Five was Joe Mad. Four was Alex Ross. Three was Jim Lee. Two was Mark Silvestri. And at number one, Michael Turner. So those were your top ten writers and artists for uh, this time at February of 1998. What were your ten, let's see, the ten, top ten comics of the month for January, actually. So at number ten was Witchblade number 20. At number nine was Captain America 3. At number 8 was JLA-16 of the Morrison Run. Number 7 was Wolverine-122. At number 6, Fantastic Four, number 3. Number 5, Iron Man, number 2. That probably was the Kurt Busiek, Sean Chen uh, run. Uh, number 4, Spawn-70. Number 3, Avengers, number 2. Number 2, X-Men-73. And number 1, X-Men-353. X-Men uh, ruling the roost back in uh, early 1998. And it says here this was a listing of all the highest ordered comics for January. What was that number 100? Moon Knight number 3. And number 99 was Legion of Superheroes 102. What was that, 50? Uh, Green Lantern and Sentinel Heart of Darkness number 1. God, look, there's uh, The Creech number 3 from Image was at issue 32. Lady Death number 1 was at 30 from Chaos. JLA Year One number three was pretty high. That was at 14. So interesting, interesting list. Speaking of Year One, there's an article on John Byrne coming in to retell early Spider-Man adventures. They didn't have a working title at the time, but they basically called it a Spider-Man Year One. It's going to be 13 issues. They talk about how it's not going to be anything where they're going to rewrite history. They just want to bring on a new jumping-on point for new readers. Obviously, this would turn into Chapter 1, and it was, for the most part, not quite what readers expected, um, and Marvel quickly kind of moved themselves away from that um, retelling, and it didn't hold. It didn't grab hold onto Spider-Man or onto 
the mythos of Spider-Man um, at all, you know. And, and eventually, shortly after this, Joe Quesada would come in and uh, John Byrne would be, you know, kind of just booted out of Marvel for a little bit, for a lot of bit. I don't even think he's returned since then. But, uh, yeah, so that little bit of news was playing out here in, uh, in Wizard Magazine. And then on the next page, they talk about Carlos Pacheco, artist Charlo, uh, Carlos Pacheco, uh, leaving X-Men to do some Avenger stuff, which is something that he really wanted to do because um, as a young reader, he was really into Roy Thomas's Avengers. And it says here he's going to be penciling Avengers World in Chains, a 12-issue limited series with Kurt Busiek. Now, obviously, that would turn into uh, Avengers Forever, and it was a book that came out in late summer of 1998, and is an amazing book. And if you've never read the 12-issue Avengers Forever run by Kurt Busiek and Carlos Pacheco, or I think Roger Stern also had some writing chores on that, um, there's been a collection of it, a couple collections. It's a great story. It's sprawling and it's huge and it takes a look at Avengers history and it features just about every Avengers supporting cast, hero, villain, you name it. Um, it is a book that Carlos Pacheco was born to draw and it's an amazing story. So uh, interesting to know that, I think I knew that already, that it was originally called World in Chains, but then it would become Avengers Forever. Speaking of Avengers, uh, there's a little brief article on uh, what members are going to join the uh, Kurt Busiek, George Perez run with issue four. In fact, that's what the back cover is. It's an ad that says the new assembly, who will join the team? Avengers number four, Kurt Busiek, George Perez, Alvey. Uh, this would take place after the Morgana Le Fay arc, and, which featured just about every Avenger, and then um, obviously the team would be whittled down uh, a bit echoey to what's going on with Jonathan Hickman's run right now, where they're uh, bringing in, uh, where they're actually expanding the team, whereas this one featured all the main characters of all the you know Avengers from history, and uh, got whittled down to I don't know, it was like seven or eight members, and obviously with Jonathan Hickman's run, they're going the opposite way, right? They're getting bigger. So a nice little connection going on there. There's an ad tease for Michael Turner's upcoming Fathom to be released in August of 1998. Uh, and then on page 44, uh, long before Fables, there's an article on Linda Medley's Castle Waiting, which was just starting out at this time. And it gets a nice little spotlight here. And it says, uh, in her new comic, Castle Waiting, well-known fairy tales and nursery rhymes, such as Sleeping Beauty, Simple Simon, and The Three Little Pigs, take on a whole new perspective as she explores just how happy their ever-afters really are. Medley breaks the confines of fable by reinterpreting familiar characters as ordinary people dealing with incredible circumstances. She says the book just isn't about fantasy and magic and fairy tales, it's about how human these characters are. They act like humans, even if they don't really look human. Sure, there's a Prince Charming, but he acts just like your brother-in-law. The series grew out of Medley's experience as an illustration major in college, she wanted to adapt the Brothers Grimm fables in comic book form, but set aside the project in favor of work on children's books and other comics. It was Jeff Smith's fantasy title, Bone, which inspired her to return to fairy tales. I remember reading Jeff's book and thinking, this is really good, and it's not superheroes. I want to say she's maybe still writing to this day. I know there's been a number of collections, some beautiful collections. I've seen them 
here and there. Uh, so yeah, Castle Waiting, if you enjoy fables, this was a, another book along those lines, and obviously that something that came out you know a number of years before fables, but uh, nice to see Wizard taking a look at something that wasn't so mainstream at the time. Then we get a uh, number of ads featuring the upcoming Spider-Man Identity Crisis storyline that would bring in a whole bunch of new characters. Uh, Dusk, Prodigy, Hornet, Ricochet, um, you know, who were they? Who I, I think at that time they really were Spider-Man, and then eventually a lot of those uh, identities were taken over by uh, different people and, and became established characters in the Spider-Man universe. I could be a little wrong on that. Um, then we get to a Kevin Smith article, which is actually kind of fascinating for someone that I don't really pay attention to anymore. They ask him a lot of stuff about, you know, like the Superman Lives movie that he was supposed to write. Uh, and then they talk about other movies. And he says here, I recently had a conversation with Warner Brothers where they asked if I would be interested in doing Green Lantern, the Hal Jordan version. I don't know if they could ever push that through, but the studio has sh now shown interest in it. Interesting, right? We eventually did get a Green Lantern movie with Hal Jordan. Wizard asks him, why is it Marvel can't make a great film? Kevin Smith replies, that's puzzling to me, because I think Marvel has the most film-friendly franchises in terms of characters and books, more so than DC. Superman and Batman turned into decent movies, but you would imagine Spider-Man would be a great movie. It's real cinematic, it's real sci-fi, it's real action-filled. The X-Men, Avengers, throw a rock and you'll hit a character that'll easily translate to the screen. He goes on to say, but now Marvel seems to be getting on track. Brian Singer is going to direct X-Men at 20th Century Fox. That makes sense. And if they can ever get the Spider-Man rights figured out, Jim Cameron's waiting to do it. And you can't ask for a better director. So then they ask him, uh, there's been an internet rumor that you're going to write Marvel's Daredevil comic. Any truth to it? And he replies here and says, Well, I know Joe Quesada and Jimmy Palmiotti really well, and they're working on getting a few books from Marvel and taking them under their event comics wing. They don't intend to reinvent the characters. They plan on staying with continuity. One of the books considered is Daredevil. They asked if I was interested, and I said yes. Will it happen? I hope so. It's looking good. I'm trying to work out a 12-issue storyline and sign on for that long. And if I can't stretch it for 12, I'll definitely do a 6-issue storyline. Now, not only did he do 12 issues, I think he went on to do about 15, maybe? 16 before he left the book? Can't remember. So this is pre-Marvel Knights. This is before Joe Quesada even was brought into Marvel. Uh, at that time, it was still supposed to be just uh, kind of like what they did with Heroes Reborn with Rob Liefeld and his crew. They were going to do the same thing with a bunch of characters with event comics uh, and kind of, I guess, branded as something else. And then eventually that all turned into Marvel Knights. He goes on to say, uh, you know, they asked him if, if Daredevil was a dream project, and he said, yes, it was. But then he says, the other book I always thought, man, I'd really love to get on a Green Arrow book. I told them, anytime Chuck Dixon is uninterested, tap me and let me bring back Oliver Queen. I would kick ass with the book. Let me bring back Ollie, and I swear I'll double your sales. I swear I'll bring that book up. I have a feeling that if this Daredevil thing happens, it would go a long way towards a Green Arrow book. And yes, it did. It, and he was right. He did boost that book. He was on it for about another, what, 14, 15, 16 issues. And uh, it was good. Phil Hester on the artwork. He brought back Ollie, just like he said. 
uh, interesting that you know there's a little bit a uh, little bit of a premonition there going on in that Kevin Smith article. So that was really cool. So speaking of that X Men movie, they did do an article with Brian Singer. Uh, he says. The movie will include Professor Xavier, Wolverine, Storm, Jean Grey, Cyclops, Rogue, and Beast. So he, he wanted Beast. Uh, they didn't talk about Patrick Stewart being a good choice for Professor X uh, and that they were in talks. Uh, Brian Singer mentioned that Angela Bassett was up for the role as Storm. She's, ex she's expressed interest, and I think she's a wonderful actress. I certainly wish they would have had that choice instead of Halle Berry. Uh, in terms of Wolverine, Singer labeled internet reports, which have centered on Gary Sinise, as speculation and, and says he remains open-minded about the part. So there was no real talk about uh, Wolverine there. The main villain was going to be Magneto, and uh, just funny that they were going to include Beast at, in those early stages. So who knew that, along with Blade, that really was the thing that kick-started uh, Marvel's movies that... Uh, you know, at this point, they had no idea what X-Men was going to cause. Uh, and then finally, on the next page, they talk about a new Batman cartoon in 1998. Now, I thought this was cool because we're on the verge of a new Batman car cartoon now called Where the Batman, I think it is. And at this point, uh, this is a new cartoon for Kids WB, and it is a new animated series with Batman in the future called Batman Tomorrow they have listed here. It's going to be called Batman Tomorrow, and it was going to be with the, by the team of Bruce Timm, Alan Burnett, and Paul Dini. It's set 50 years in Gotham's future and features a teenaged Batman uh, along with an older Bruce Wayne. Bruce Timm said, it's basically Batman the next generation. Bruce Wayne is too old to be Batman anymore. He's still active, but he's too old. So there's a teenager who becomes the new Batman, and Bruce helps him out. He continues and says, this was going to happen one way or the other, so I'd rather have somebody who cares about the property, like myself, Alan, and Paul, to be in charge of it. I did a drawing of the new Batman, and I went, this is cool. So as I said, they were still calling it Batman Tomorrow at this point. It would eventually become Batman Beyond, which is funny because I just saw an episode of Batman Beyond the other night. Uh, and then this last paragraph is, you know, the more things change, the more they stay the same. Bruce Tim says uh, he hopes fans won't prejudge the series. There's going to be hardline traditional purists who are going to just totally rebel against the idea, but I hope they're watching because we're going to be doing some really cool stuff. Hmm, words to live by? I think so. All right, there you go. That's your Throwback Thursday for today. Hope you enjoyed that. That was really interesting uh, to go through all of that and see what was happening 15 years ago, February of 1998. By all means, please, comments, suggestions, requests uh, can be sent to peter at thedailyreels.com or you can drop a comment on the website under the episode page. Uh, leave a review in iTunes. Follow me on Twitter and I will see you tomorrow.